Everyone has a relationship with gender. What's your story? Hello and welcome to Gender Stories with your host, Dr. Alex Yantafi. Hello and welcome to another episode of Gender Stories. I'm always excited because I always have such fabulous guests. So once again, I'm elated, excited, thrilled to introduce my guest today, Ali Schroeder. Ali Schroeder is a transgender community activist and CEO for the queer production company, Zenith City Horror, and I've seen several shows by Zenith City Horror, and they are so good. I was about to swear, but I was like, we'll save that for later. They're such good shows. She's a 20 under 40 award winner for queer community and artistic leadership, which spans over a decade in the Twin Ports. She's a modern-day house mother, providing advocacy and safe spaces for vulnerable queer youth and artists in the Twin Ports area. And if you don't know where that is, that is where I live on Dakota Anishinaabe territories, currently known as Duluth, and Duluth is in Minnesota, Superior is in Wisconsin, and often this area is called the Twin Ports. She prioritizes her fight against discrimination and exploitation of trans artists in the entertainment industry. I'm so looking forward to this conversation. Welcome, Alice. Thank you so much for making time for Gender Stories today. I appreciate it. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for for thinking of me. And my name also. I am I'm Alice O'Callaghan now. I was recently oh. I was recently married. I am glad that we're going to correct that. So it's Alice. Oh, so send me that so that I get it exactly right, please. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> and I will change it in our episode description. Well, we'll just leave it in just to create some more excitement. So you recently got married. Congratulations. I saw that on your Instagram. How, Thank let's you. start from there. How's married life going? Let's just, let's just talk a little bit before we get into it. You know, it's, it's pretty easy. It's pretty quiet and peaceful and it's been nice to, to just hang out with your best friend and enjoy life together. So it's been, been nice after a hectic few few months with the wedding and and whatnot. Yeah, that sounds just really sweet and uh, how perfect as things as the weather is getting a little bit colder. You know, to have like a quiet, cozy life with your best friend, who's also your spouse now. So congratulations. Thank so, you. Yeah, you are the CEO of Genius City Horror, and I have seen several productions at this point since moving uh, to Duluth from the Twin Cities. Um, in this last year, I've started to like go out again, and I've been really enjoying the shows. And uh, you've been doing this for a hot minute, right, drag? And so yeah. I'm really curious about what that drag means to you. Um, you know, what is it about? What, why this passion for drag in your life? I think, um, drag is, you know, it's the only solely queer art form. You know, it's the, it's the queerest thing. So growing up, when you see people like Rocky Horror Picture Show and you see drag artists through Paul, you know, you're, 
you're reminded that you're not alone. And that helped me growing up. And so now that I'm older and, and continue on, I just want to help those those generations. That's beautiful. Yeah, I remember like watching the Rocky Horror Picture Show when I was like 16 in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> that ages me a little bit, but I was like, "What is this?" And I'm all about it. I didn't, I didn't have words yet for my queerness or my trans identity, but there was definitely something that felt like my people, whatever that means, right? Yeah. So yeah. I definitely recognize, and that's how I feel when I come to drag shows. It's like queerness, you know. It just feels mm-hmm. like a celebration of our community, and it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm curious about, you know, sometimes people think about drag and they think about, well, it's really, you know, gay men. And I think that has changed over the last 20 years, right? Definitely when I first saw my first drag show, um, all the performers identified as gay men in their day life. And then there were drag artists, right? And I think that has really changed. And I'm curious about, uh, you know, your drag company is very gender inclusive. You have trans masculine folks, trans feminine folks, non-binary folks, probably more people that I don't even know how they identify because, but it is very gender inclusive. Why is that important to you? Because not, not every drag company or experiences. And so I'm curious about that gender inclusivity and what it means for, to you for Zenith CDR in particular. Um, you know, a lot of people ask that question, you know, just, just how you said, you know, drag is always evolving, you know, it, things are always changing. And I think that's the purpose of drag. You know, I think that will never change. It, it always has to be evolving. It always has to be changing with the times and moving and, and just, it's part of history. So I think that, yeah, I mean, the, the, drag scene is definitely different than it was years and years ago. And I guarantee you in 10 years time, it's going to be completely different than it is now. And, mm -hmm. and gender inclusivity for me is important because, um, in this world, gender expansive folks, you know, our, our voices are so easily, erased if people in with privilege you know choose to just ignore it or choose to to push it aside and so marginalized communities um particularly you know trans people of color their voices can be so easily shut down and it is so scary and as a young queer artist here in the twin ports i had to sit through so many toxic situations and environments and um, I can see what what happens mostly, you know, unintentionally by people who aren't aware of of certain things with with trans issues, the you know unintentional harm that it causes. So Venus City Horror was always meant to be a platform. So um, gender expansive folks, queer artists of all kinds, you know, they don't have to sit and bang down doors. They don't have to fight or or compete to to be seen. And I think it's important to have those spaces. And that's what I think what people notice about Xena City Horror is, is it's definitely a, a, a different energy, a different open vibe. And I think, you know, being gender inclusive is a huge, huge part of that. 
Mm-hmm. There's definitely that vibe. I love how um, innovative some of the acts are, right? Whether I like them or not, I can see the artistry, you know, and there's like so many young people as well, like very young. Like I'm talking like, you know, almost like my kid's age, you know, like mm-hmm. late teens, early 20s. That's amazing because it's actually not common to see people that young, in my experience, at least historically, to see people that young really take also not just the traditional drag, whatever that might mean, but, you know, as an older queer, but, you know, like really taking risks and doing really fun things like editing, you know, putting bits of like, movie dialogue with music with you know there's anyway I just love it I could talk about this for a long time um but yeah you it's not just gender inclusive it's also age inclusive you're so supportive of young people expressing themselves like really authentically and taking artistic risks what's that like for you as a drag matter but also CEO of the company you know because that is a risk an artistic risk you're taking in a lot of ways you know it's it's a risk, but at the same time, it's it's just super eye-opening. You know, even me as an elder, as a as a show director, you you have to always be open to to what's what's coming up. You know, what's the future of drag? And you know, as drag evolves, I think that the age that that kids are getting involved in drag, that's it's definitely getting younger and younger. Um, we've had someone reach out who's barely 13 years old reach out to perform and it's it's becoming obvious that if if people choose to if they really have a passion for drag it's it's a natural born talent it's a natural skill and so you see these younger artists who are just so talented and historically drag is an 18 plus 21 plus thing so you know, all of those years growing up, which are so informative, are so important to to developing, and they're kind of isolated. They don't have that that outlet, and so I, that's that's why I try to to keep it as open as I can, as as accessible as I can. I love that, and I love that you do like all ages show. I think that somebody was like, you know. A very queer, but also queer parent, you know, like I know that especially with my um, oldest, you know, growing up because uh, she enjoyed drag so much. She's been she's been seeing drag since she was five or six years old, you right. know, and that she's 20 now and, uh, you know, always loved it. And that. Uh, but I have also experienced people in queer community go, this is not appropriate, you know, for a child or having some strange reactions sometimes, even if it's an all ages show, right, that even in to a kid in the audience. And I was like, but why wouldn't I want my kid to be uh, exposed and immersed in this like celebration of queer community of gender expansiveness? You know, nobody bats an eyelid if like an eight-year-old is at a Taylor Swift concert or a Britney Spears concert, even though many of the songs are not always age appropriate, but the moment you bring a child to like a drag show or drag story hour, right, people have feelings (laughs) that that's not appropriate. And I think for me, that is so much that legacy of queer phobia, even internalized queer phobia in our community, right, Mm -hmm. that children should not be exposed 
to gender expansiveness and queer sexuality, but they get exposed to cis norms every day, you know? Right. And so, yeah, and I see you nodding. So I feel like I'm preaching to the converted. I just got very excited on that train of like, no, I, this is for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I just, I love, I love hearing parents that, that share that point of view. Cause you're right. You know, people, mm-hmm. as soon as you hear queer, or yeah. you're going to enter a queer space, your, your mind automatically goes to 18 plus porn or, you know, gay bars yes. or yes. something that's really naughty. And yes. people forget to realize all of us queer adults, we were queer children. Exactly. And, mm-hmm. and um, pe- children can understand gender identity even at six years old, sometimes younger. So there are queer people of all ages, of, of all all eras. So, yeah, drag is, is part of their culture. So celebrate. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I love it. And I think it can totally be a family event. And it often is with all ages show, which is beautiful. And so I am curious about, you know, what would you say to those folks who are like drag should be kept away from children because we, we've heard a lot of that noise, unfortunately, in the so-called United States in the last few years. And so, you know, and of course it goes in cycles, but I feel as drag has become more prominent, you know, not just through RuPaul, but also like other shows like uh, Legendary, you know, there's just more awareness of drag in like, mm-hmm. let's call it dominant culture. Like, mm-hmm. what would you say to those folks who are like, you should not expose children to like, you know, drag queens and drag story hours and keep it out of the libraries and all that kind of stuff. I would say go to a drag show, <laughs> you know, go see, you know, see what, what all of the noise is about, because I guarantee you, you're just, you're going to see nothing exciting, nothing that is is scandalous, nothing that is going to scar children. Mm-hmm. And that's where I, yeah. those, those voices, those loud voices, they, they don't really know exactly what they're, they're yelling about. <laughs> I agree with you. I think there's so much fear, so much ignorance and so much not realizing how much children are constantly actually immersed in kind of this, you know, um, very heteronormative environment all the time, you know, like with the, the on YouTube and the pop music they listen to and games. But then all of a sudden, <clears throat> because drag is seen as a queer thing, it's like, like you said, oh, 18 plus, 21 plus only. It's a sexual thing, right? But drag yep. is not really about sex, it's about art, it's about music, it's about dance, it's about community, mm-hmm. uh, celebration, family, right? That's mm-hmm. why there's like houses and you're an house mother. And so um, it's, I don't think that people realize just how much drag is not about being queer, but it's about the celebration of our connection through queerness and connection to self, connection to art, connection to ancestors, even sometimes Mm -hmm. I feel, I don't know. Uh, How did you feel when you first saw your first drag show? Like, I know that, like, I was like, when I look back, I'm like, wow, I was such a baby queer, you know, when I first saw my first drag show. And also drag has come a long way in the last 
almost three decades that I've been out. So what was your experience when you first uh, were exposed, if you want to use that word, to drag? <laughs> I think, you know, I saw my first drag show when I was 18. So I was a little older because, you know, there was no access to, to drag in the middle of nowhere, Minnesota. Oh, yeah. Um, but I think I remember just thinking that, you know, this is a star. This is a celebrity and they are, you know, so pretty and, and everything about them is just everything that, that I want to be. You know, it was kind of just like, whoa, who is this godlike creature? I love that. And then you became a godlike creature because you also do drag and you're really wonderful. Uh, a night terror, more more correctly. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I feel, you know, one person's terror is another person's dream. Or oh, really judge, you know. But I am curious about how did um, drag uh, influence your own gender journey, your own gender identity, if at all? Well, my my drag career started, you know, in private. I would host Miss Cupcakes Cosmo Nights, and they were private private little parties at my house, and I would dress in drag and host these parties throughout the year. And people could come, and you know, if they were a poet, they could read their poetry, or if they could sing, then they could sing the song. So it was kind of a gathering of queer queer folk artists of all all types and that kind of was I remember I will always remember my dad saying you know is this you know you you put this on is you know is this you is you know it's not you it's a fake you and in my mind I'm like is it really a fake me I don't really know and drag you know gives a lot of people a good reason to explore that feminine side, you know, buy the makeup and, and buy the pretty clothes. And, and when you're closeted trans person, you know, it's easy to kind of just be like, Oh, I'm just, you know, just a drag queen. So I think just little, little moments like that kind of helped um, me get to where I am today. I kind of view my drag today as, you know, my feminine self, like just, crazy high level, you know, what would be the, the epitome of my femininity? That's kind of my drag. But, and that's the fun thing of drag too, is there is no right or wrong way to do drag. You know, they, there is no right or wrong way to put on makeup. There is no um, right or wrong music. You know, it's all about what's inside that person. And I think that's what makes drag so fascinating is, is every drag number is so, so different. Absolutely. You know, and, and it's so much about like artistic expression and, and I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, um, kind of Alice as a child and what difference would have made to that child to see drag younger even than 18 do you think it would have made a difference for you if you had seen drag as a child for example in terms of your own identity and and knowing yourself and yeah yeah no I'm I mean I think I the more therapy sessions I go through the more I realize you know when I approach drag or I'm creating a show or developing a show I, always in the back of my mind I'm like 
pretending, you know, if my, my little self was watching me, you know, what would, what, what would that be like? So no, that is always in, in the back of, of my mind. I love that. I also love how you talked about drag can be like this femininity at its high or amplified, right? I remember as somebody who's, uh, assigned female at birth, like as I was trying to understand myself in my early twenties, I was like, well, I feel like I'm in drag all the time, which was correct because I was trying to perform femininity, mm-hmm. which was very much not, I mean, it's part of me, but it was a very like queer, masculine femininity, which I didn't quite understand. And so in a way, drag gave me that language, right? I feel like I'm in drag because I was like, I I am. I'm performing. I'm trying to do my best. And then the more I did that, the more I was like, oh, my God, this this femininity is a different type of femininity than what's expected of me as an AFAB person. And so I think, I don't know, I think there's just so much um, richness in the drag community and drag expression that can really help anybody of any gender to better understand and embrace themselves, I think. Um, yeah, I think, was it last month or two months ago, you had the lovely show that was all like um, masculine and non-binary folks, but it was more about celebrating kind of uh, yeah, the performers over Ken's. Um, Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> the Ken's and them's. So. Yes, that's mm-hmm. the ones, cans and thems. I was trying to remember the name of the show. It was so fun. Uh, cans and thems. So obviously that's part of kind of your values to really celebrate all the different uh, expressions in drag. What inspired you to put together something like the cans and thems show, for example? I always, you know, I'm I'm always going to look for people who often will get ignored, you know, drag kings and non-binary folk, you know, they often don't get the respect and appreciation that, that they deserve. So it, it was, it's really fun when, when you kind of switch it up and the masculine presence is, is more prominent than the typical feminine one. So yeah, it's, we're always trying new, new things. And you're all very good at trying new things. I think you're fabulous at trying all these new things with your drag company. And I know one of the things you are um, passionate about is also, like, just fighting against the exploitation of trans artists. Because I think as drag has become more um, popular or um, visible, let's call it, in kind of mainstream community, and as trans artists are also, like, coming into their own, both within uh, drag community and outside of drag community. You know, we are seeing more trans artists in kind of TV shows and other things. And mm-hmm. so tell me more about where this um, passion um, around the discrimination and exploitation that trans artists can experience in the entertainment industry comes from and kind of how you fight for kind of better treatment of trans artists in the mainstream entertainment industry. So, um, the entertainment industry itself is an exploitative place. You know, I, my mind, I just, (laughs) I, you you just see all the billionaire CEOs of all these entertainment companies and you're just like, what on earth? And so that alone is, is happening. 
every day. So you can imagine how exploitative it is for queer and trans artists. So, you know, for example, there's a, a drag competition on TV where they just like freaking simulated drowning drag queens as a, as a challenge for entertainment. And, you know, my mind is like, what on earth? So, um, I come from a long, long, decade long, um, history of performing arts, you know, starting in, in stage, um, stage acting. And like I said earlier, just being in toxic situations and going through the motions and putting on a smile and doing what you have to do to, to get opportunities to, to be seen. And as the years went on, you kind of, you know, I, I learned everything that I know from cisgendered white straight men. So, you know, I watched them from, you know, I learned how to, to do production management and budgeting and all of those technical aspects and all of that stuff. And as the years went on, I, I began to realize that they really didn't have my best interest in, in mind. And a lot of the trauma and the harm caused to me was unintentional from people who, who don't quite understand, you know, how certain actions or certain words or certain behaviors would negatively affect a, a genderqueer person, you know, like um, dysphoria is a huge thing. So you have to be conscious about costuming, you know, you have to um, be conscious about them not feeling isolated or feeling like a, like a monkey dancing on a stage, you know, as a, as a freak show, because I did a lot of queer shows and it, it began to feel that way. You know, I was kind of, was a, uh, oddity. And, um, when you're a director, and when you're someone in power in, in the entertainment industry, you have a lot of influence on your actors or your staff. And some people don't even realize that. So, you know, having that education, having that that knowledge of trans identities and, and how to approach these things, that, that can help prevent a lot of unnecessary hurt. So... Being always on the lookout, standing up for for things that that might just go, you know, unseen by cis people. You know, just bringing things up to people's attention, advocating for for transgender trainings. If you are an entertainment business or you're dealing with with queer or trans artists, all of that stuff is really really important. And queer and trans artists, let's face it, they are really good. You know, they are so talented and you're just going to keep seeing more and more and more of them. So let's just be proactive and let's start now and then prepare for for the future. I love that. That is so beautiful. Do you feel that that's almost part of your role as well as like um, house matter? You know, and I know that you describe yourself as like a modern day house mother, and I would love for you to say a little bit more about how do you see your role like as a house mother, what that means to you and, and how it might connect to this, um, 
desire to like give uh, trans and queer artists an affirming, positive experience rather than a traumatic, tokenizing, othering experience. Mm-hmm. It drag houses, you know, it's almost like a a personal brand. So you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of of drag houses and drag mothers in in this industry, and and every person can can find their their right fit. Um, but more more so recently, you know, I kind of viewed it. It was a realization within my transness. You know, when we went through the Club Q tragedy, like that shooting. Mm, yeah. And that kind of hit home where this shouldn't be happening. You know, way back when we had powerful trans women of color fighting and and standing up for, for what's right. And so it was almost a... A calling within my transness with my transcestors, you know, let's keep this fight going and let's create a space where I know that, you know, if, if people trust me, if they want to, to join the house, they want to, to be a part of that, you know, they know that I'm going to have their best interests in mind and I'm going to help them succeed in whatever it is they want to do. You know, if they want to be on RuPaul's Drag Race. You know, you can give them all the opportunities to improve their drag and help them record a a video, you know, an audition video. Or, you know, if someone is isolated and they don't have a family, they don't have somewhere to be or um, someone to to talk to and validate their feelings and and give them support, you know, that's that's here too. So it's really, you know, up to, to each individual, that type of relationship, you know, what they want. But for me, it's definitely an, an, uh, paying tribute and honoring my, my transcestors. That's, that's kind of how I go about my, my drag mothering, if you say. That's beautiful. Cause also in a way, um, Historically, sometimes all we had was each other as queer community and as trans people, especially family of origin are not accepting. I know um, in some ways I'm grateful that I came out in my 20s when I had some independence from my family of origin because it did not go well for me initially, even though I have been able to repair since with my mom. But, um, you know, for a long time, trans and queer people and still, I would say, are my family. And with not even family of choice, because even that almost implies like a hierarchy, you know, family of choice, family of origin. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, trans and queer people are my family. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, whether they're like my partners or friends or communities, like I definitely that some folks were like my family. Um, and that is so important to me. And I think that a lot of the houses historically also had a role of like protecting, especially those queer young folks who were coming out really early and maybe had nowhere else to go or nobody, mm-hmm. no safe adults to go to. And so 
I'm wondering also with the current political climate, you know, we're seeing just this explosion of anti-trans bills over the last three years um, in the so-called United States. How do you feel that's impacting like trans and queer youth and do you still see a role for yourself as a drag mother in terms of supporting and protecting trans and queer youth um, during those times? It, yeah, you know, it's, it's just crazy. You know, I, (laughs) I gave a, Mm -hmm. I gave a speech a year ago and people kind of were confused as to why I was kind of focusing on transphobia and, and trans Mm -hmm. issues. And, you know, here we are (laughs) with, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of bills aimed to erase us and mm-hmm. it for which which is devastating for for us as as adults queer adults but the forgotten victims of this that that people are forgetting are the the young um Absolutely. young folks it's you know sitting in your living room watching the news and constantly just seeing these hate bills popping up or, you know, you're living in a state that just criminalized, you know, HRT care for kids and you can't get your your medications or you're too scared to, to now ask your parents to, to help you. So I always remember the the kids who, who really don't have power. They don't have voices yet. So it's kind of our responsibility as trans elders, queer elders, we're going to stick our faces out there we're going to let the people that uh, want to cause harm they can they can attack us because you know we're adults we've learned the coping skills we've learned how to cultivate support and and how to to move through it and so these younger folks they don't got to go through it so i think you know as a drag mother as a house mother and as a trans woman, you know, just sticking my my neck out there and doing things that that is going to maybe cause a little controversy, you know, like doing all of these all ages drag shows. I wrote a, a children's book, actually, that's going to be um, published here in a little while, a few months. Congratulations. So, that's thank exciting. You. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So it. Um, yeah, it's it's. It's just, it's doing things like that. You gotta, I was scared, you know, you, it's a scary thing when you know that you have people out there that are gonna say you're a pervert and you're gonna harm children and you're a bad influence for children. So it's scary to, mm-hmm. to, to go into those situations. But as an elder, you just kind of trust that I'm gonna have my community behind me and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do it even though you're scared. You just, you just do it. No, that's a whole this this year definitely brought out a warrior in in a lot of us, I think. And I don't think I'm I'm alone in, in feeling that. Hundred percent. I feel like like you, I'm like it's bad enough when they come for us adults, right? But when they when they start going for children is just like it's 
it's like seeing all these adults basically bullying children, trying to stop children from accessing necessary care, right? Or even adults being such bullies to children on social media just because those kids are like trans and or queer or gender expansive and loud. It just breaks my heart. There are times where I want to be like, can't you see what you're doing? You're a grown adult, like bullying this trans kid or gender expansive kid or ridiculing them. How on earth can you think that this is okay? You know, it's just, it's heartbreaking. I'm so excited to hear about your children's book, though. I didn't know you've written a children's book. What's the title and can people pre-order it or do they need to wait a little longer or yes? No, it's still in the... You know, it's in the printing process. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called The Queer World of Miss Cupcake. And one of my um, childhood friends, uh, we went to school together. She's an extremely talented artist and illustrator. So we collaborated and and made a, yeah, an amazing 32-page fully illustrated um, children's book all about kind of an introduction to uh, um, queer culture, queer drag culture, and it's the first children's book that has an openly trans drag queen autistic um, lead character. So it's it's fun. It's very fun, and yeah, that's a whole other whole other venture that's headed our way. Well, my trans neurospicy heart is so excited for <laughs> my younger self, who is definitely going to read this book mm-hmm. uh, and also recommend it to others. That That is so exciting. Oh, well, congratulations. Writing a book is not an easy feat, as I well know, mm-hmm. and I'm so excited to see your book out in the world. Oh, um, and and I should say, Miss Cupcake, Miss Cupcake in that book is also a witch. As a little, as a little nod to J.K. Rowling. <laughs> I'm like so excited I can't even talk. Like the people who are seeing this on video are gonna be able to see me. But I was just like, I went in an awful body reaction when you said that. I was like, not only my like little neuro spicy trans heart is happy, but somebody who does identify as a witch or a pagan is like, what? That's amazing. That's mm-hmm. so exciting. That yeah. talk about some. Ah, mind-blowing, beautiful representation. Ah, thank you for putting that book in the world. Um, That's so wonderful. I feel like that's such a gift to community. And talking about community, one thing that I'm hearing as we're having this conversation is just your love of trans, non-binary, queer, gender-expansive people. And so I'm curious to... Um, learn a little bit more about what does trans community mean and has meant to you, uh, both in a personal and professional sense, if you want to make those divisions, which I think are kind of artificial and colonial in some ways. But, like, what does trans community mean to you in every aspect of your life? Let's put it that way. That's a better question. No, I, I know. I think that's a really good question. So a lot of harsh realities that I have come to understand this year is there is such a division between the LGBTQIA plus community. You know, a lot of issues is the bigotry still comes from inside the house of LGB 
you know, with cisgender folks. There has always been a divide, uh, butted heads between, you know, femininity in gay culture and Mm -hmm. between trans people. It's just always, it's always been there. And this year, especially, you know, um, I kind of realize, you know, how important community really is. Cause I've always been a, you know, isolated go getter type gal and just, you know, do things on my own. And when you experience harm and hate and violence, um, eventually it just, you just, you can't anymore. You know, you just want to give up and, Fortunately, with the work I do, you know, because I am so focused on the integration of the drag industry and community, I want it to be, you know, symbiotic. I get to work with amazing, amazing community activists, community workers, and in turn, they have been my mentors and have helped me through so many, so many things. And so I can say that for me, the trans community here has has saved my life multiple times. And we take care of each other. And so, you know, you can see cisgender queer people, you know, if they want to be assholes, they want to do what they want to do. You still got us. You know, we, that is, that's the trans community. So there is, there is a divide between, you know, the, the, LGBTQ community and then you got your gender expansive folks. You know, it's just a whole different, the perspective of the world, it's a whole different, a whole different thing. And I think it was Mother Marsha P. Johnson that said, you know, people make very quick decisions, very rash decisions that are based off of emotions and they don't think about it. And, you know, every trans story, every trans experience is going to be different. You're going to hear different things. You know, you're not going to find matching stories, but you take all of those little moments that that don't seem very significant to a lot of people, or they just seem like, oh, they're making a fuss, or oh, that doesn't matter, or oh, that. You combine that, and that is our reality. That is a collective reality of of trans people. And that's where I draw my power from, my support from Trans Northland. You know, being on the board for Trans Northland has really been uh wonderful, validating and amazing experience. So trans community is is important. And so I would say if if there's folks out there that that feel isolated or they feel like no one is there, no one is watching you know, people forget trans folks. We we have felt invisible for a very long time, but we have always been there. And so, I would encourage you know people to reach out for those resources, those trans resources. And I think they're going to be really surprised because I I thought I knew everything about the world, and this year really it 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 surprised me and and for the better. And community is is truly where it's at. We don't really got nothing if we don't have community. And people got to start realizing that we're stronger together than we are divided. Oh, absolutely. As I was tearing up when you were talking about that, especially when you said that, you know, trans community saved my life. I think you said, you know, multiple times because 
I really feel that somebody who lives with complex PTSD and lifelong mm-hmm. suicidality as well as being mm-hmm. a therapist, but like, and there's so much shame. I know that's one of the reasons why I started talking about it because it's like so many people don't talk about it. We have higher rates of suicidality in trans yeah. community and also amongst therapists, especially AFAB, um, and, um, femme therapists, um, in, but we don't talk about it, right? And so the and just as we got hurt in, in relationship, we heal in relationships. And for me, it's like trans and queer community has saved my life multiple times. So when you were saying that, really felt it in my body, really like you know, just felt it coming through those tears and just the gratitude, you know, both to transcessors who have nurtured community, but also current people who keep building community, you know, even moving from, uh, you know, South Minneapolis to Duluth, even just being able to come see the Zenith City horror shows, right? I'm like, well, I'm still getting to know people, but at least I can sit and be in community as I get to know people and I can be held and nourished um, in a way that really sometimes really lifts my spirits when I'm not in a good place Um, because drag is about expression and joy Mm -hmm. and, and you can laugh, you can cry, you can emote, right? Which is, and Mm -hmm. not be alone, right? Mm Because especially right now, it's a really harsh time to be alone and Mm -hmm. to feel alone. I think as trans people in the world. So I, I love what you said about community. It is everything. And that, and I wish that people would understand that as well sometimes. It is. It's, it is just, it, it's it's wonderful to see, you know, and, and I'm, you know, I grew up I just not able to socialize, you know, and mm-hmm. and terrified of of queer situations, you know, going in mm-hmm. with people and not knowing. And so I really try to cater to those types of people. So that makes me happy that you feel comfortable that you can just be and sit and, and just be with people and you know that you're safe. That's really what we strive to do. And I think, and people don't realize, you know, how deadly mental health is for trans folk. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, violence, violence set aside, which is crazy enough. You know, that mental health part is, is a lot. And it's because of that stigma, you know, the, the lifespan of a trans person we there isn't even enough data to to give an accurate age to how long that we live for because those numbers are so skewed due to suicide and violence so that's that goes into you know the work with the entertainment industry is people if you're working with trans folk you really have to be aware of that mental health aspect of of putting them in isolation or you know making them feel a certain way because yeah it is and and it's cringy when people talk you know it's like the cringe but i think trans folk you know you got to embrace the cringe because you got to go through it and you got to address it and that's when when growth happens so if people say i'm cringy i'm just happy with it cuz you just, you gotta be, someone's gotta be. 
You and me both. <laughs> I work, I, I used to work a lot more with young people as a family therapist. I remember some of my teen clients going, Alex, you're so weird. And I'm like, you haven't even touched the edges of my weird. This is what happens when you get to grow old as a trans or a queer person, you know? And I mean, there's a part of me that's still getting used to like, I'm in my 50s. I never thought I'd make it past 30. This is weird. And I know a lot of other trans and queer folks who feel that way, right? And it's like, um, because, you know, and our mental health is so bad because the world is so harmful and hurtful, you know, and that I think that needs to be said explicitly, that it's not being trans that causes the mental health issues. It's living in a transphobic world that severely impacts our mental health. And the more we can, that's why I'm so passionate about educating and advocating, because the more we can really have the world be a more inclusive, kinder, gentler, softer place to land for trans folks, the better our mental health is going to be, especially families. We know that family acceptance makes pretty much all the difference for trans and queer youth, you know. And so that's why I also love the All Ages show, because I think that does foster family acceptance and and even not, you know, cishet folks who end up having a trans or non-binary or gender expansive kid who are maybe totally disconnected from community can come to an All Ages show and be like, oh, this is beautiful and celebratory and here's adults who are happy uh, to express themselves and um, I think that also creates healing in the world so thank you for doing that with your work Uh, you're so appreciated (laughs) you know every it's okay to dress up it's fun you know it's it's just fun there's no such thing as boy clothes girl clothes you know that's you you don't realize it's kind of scary if you step back and you think about all of the ways that that you know the US has really marketed you know cisgender and and heterosexual and white supremacist ways of thinking you know it, it is it's just like mind blowing and the, the journey's long and hard and you got to dismantle those those systems. That's why it's it important a, to have a soft place to I, land. Absolutely. And uh, what could the world be if we all felt like this gender liberation that we could just wear the clothes we like, wear the makeup we like, have our hair the length we want it to have, right? It's just like, regardless. And I want this for anybody. I don't even just want this for trans people. I want this for cis people too. Part of my, my passion in, in life is to really help cis folks understand how gender liberation is for them too. Um, you know, and like is actually essential and how that gender binary is so deeply linked with colonialism and racism and ableism and all those other things. And then really that we, we can all be more expansive. We can all breathe a little easier. We can all be a little bit more joyful. It doesn't just have to be during drug story hour or a drag show. This could be our lives every day, expressing right. ourselves authentically if we let ourselves and each other do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, all of the loud voices, all of the, the hate, you know, is, is, it's being directed at us, you know, the trans folk, and 
we're just, you know, little fluffy bunnies. You know, we are harmless. We are helpless, you know, in the ladder of oppression. You know, what are, you know, we're, we're just here trying to live. And so I think that all those loud voices, all those angry folks, it's anger. It's, and we know when people talk about us or they talk smack, it has nothing to do with us. It's about them. And I think there's, you know, when you're angry, there's a fear there. And it's what, what do we have to do to, to kind of make that jump into, don't be scared. Don't be afraid of those parts of yourself that are, that are coming out or that are, are triggered. You know, let's embrace the cringe and dive in deep, you know, and it's like, how, how do we get over there? And that's, that's an everyday, everyday movement. That's what we do. That's the fight. That is the fight every day. Oh, I could have this conversation for a long time, but I want to be respectful of your time and your evening. So I am going to ask you the question I always ask all my guests, which is, is there anything we haven't talked about that you were hoping we would get to? Or do you feel like, yeah, we talked about what we wanted to talk about? No, I think... I think it's it's so generous to to let your guests just blabber on and on for an hour. I mean, it's nice to to get to move through the conversations and and say whatever you want to say. So, no, I think I'm I'm pretty good. Well, I I think it's a gift that my guests try to blabber out about things <laughs> that are actually in beautiful uh ways. I think you've said a lot of really good amazing things today so thank you for that and if people want to find out more about you or Disney City Horror or get your book where should they go online where can people follow you find you what are the platforms that you're on that you would appreciate people coming to find you and follow you in a supportive manner of course yeah. Um, so if you want to support Xena City Horror or attend our shows, all of our event information is on our Facebook or Instagram, Xena City Horror. Um, you can also, you know, for my projects independently and, and things that I'm doing, you can follow Miss Cupcake um, Greg on um, Instagram or Alice O'Callaghan on, on Facebook. And also for ticketing and and those types of things, www.zch.gay is is our website. I love that it's zch.gay, and I will make sure that I put all of that. If all of those links are going to be in the episode description. So, dear listeners, if you didn't catch them, it's okay. You can just look at the episode description on whichever platform you're listening uh, or watching this episode on, and you'll find those links there. For tonight, I'm just going to express a lot of gratitude. Thank you, Alice. This was such a wonderful conversation. I appreciate your time, and I also truly appreciate the world you're doing in the work. Uh, the work you're doing in the world, wrong way around. <laughs> I appreciate the work you're doing in the world. It's been a long day, and, um, yeah, I feel so fortunate that I got to be in the same geographical location as you and get to see those shows. And if you're not, don't worry. Follow them on Instagram. They put some really wonderful photos of Tiny City RO shows on Instagram so you can enjoy it that way if you're not local to us. 
All right. Well, thank you so much. And dear Gender Stories listeners, thank you for listening or watching. If you're watching this on YouTube, I appreciate each and every one of you. And uh, I hope that you can find beautiful community and queer joy wherever you are.